Welcome and thank you for joining us for episode five of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I'm proud to have Jessica Riverson. She is the superior coach. I say that because she is my coach, and so she must be superior. And she's the leader of the feminine CEO movement where your inner priestess meets CEO. Thank you and welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So today we're going to dive deep in what it means to niche down or really pick your ideal client and serve them. And I chose you, Jessica, because you were actually the first person to really dive deep and teach me about what it means to connect with your soul client. So I'm really excited for the audience to hear your feedback about that. Can you give us a little background and maybe explain to the audience if they're not very comfortable or understanding what a niche is, what your take on that is? Sure, sure, sure. I think, you know, the best way I can do it is telling a story. So when I decided to become a coach, I decided to become a business coach. Okay. So I said, all right, I'm going to help other entrepreneurs because I was already an entrepreneur with my uh, tutoring franchise that I had been running. And I'd already been coaching. And so I thought, okay, I really love coaching. I really love business. I want to help other entrepreneurs with their business. And so there I was being a business coach. And what that meant is I started just going to all these networking events here in the Seattle area. And it was just super general. Like I remember one day I was so frustrated. I had given a talk at a networking event. And at the end, someone who was a colleague of mine and a friend of mine and knew me and had heard me speak before she introduced me to someone as a life coach. And I was just like, ah, like, why don't people know what I do? Why is it so confusing? And so I also found that the first clients I had, they were clients, but they were just all across the board. Like someone had a product business, someone had a service business. It was just so, so general. And I had narrowed my focus to women. And pretty quickly, I was like, okay, it needs to be women who have service-based businesses because I realized I was not the best coach for product-based businesses because all of my experience was in service-based business. So then I go, okay, I'm going to narrow this down. Business owners who are women who have service-based business. And that went okay for a while. Um, and then, you know, once I dialed in the problem that I was solving, see, there's a couple aspects to narrowing down your it's there's your target market so you narrow down who is your target market but you also narrow down what problem that you solve so you know ideally you have a very specific problem you solve and a very specific target market that's kind of like the ultimate niching down so then i decided okay i was really helping people charge their worth that's like i narrowed down the problem to I will help you charge your worth. And a lot of the women entrepreneurs were struggling with that, especially service-based. And then, and that started to take off. Then pretty soon people understood, oh, she'll help you charge your worth. And it was like a problem people could relate to. And then I decided that who I really wanted to help was other coaches like me. So then my niche became very narrow. It was like, I help coaches charge their worth. And I ended up getting the registered trademark on a phrase permission to charge and built a whole brand around that before I rebranded as the feminine CEO. And the difference in my income was like 15,000 one year to almost a hundred thousand the very next year because of narrowing 
my niche. And I think it's important that people understand there's two parts to that. It's narrowing down the target audience, but then it's also positioning your message to specifically meet their pain point or like a specific pain point that they have. It's not enough to just be like, I coach coaches to grow their business. Okay. Yeah. You can say that. And there's a lot of coaches that do that. And so I have a shit ton of competition. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> oh, this is my podcast and we can say whatever we want. You can say, okay, cool. Uh, so I have a ton of competition. There's a lot of coaches who are teaching coaches how to grow their business. So what has set me apart is really that charge your worth permission to charge part. So I think that's where people get confused is, They might decide to just narrow down the target audience. Like I work with moms. Okay. What specifically do you do with these moms? Like let's say you're a personal trainer. Okay. So I'm a personal trainer and I focus on moms. Okay. Well, what is like a unique problem that moms have? Well, you could say I focus on helping new moms get their body back after having a baby. You know, that might be a very specific thing that new moms, you know, are, struggling with. And so if you're a personal trainer, it's much better to narrow down who your target audience is. And then you can align your message to match exactly the problem that they have. So that's really, I mean, in a nutshell, I mean, that's a long nutshell, but that's basically down. That's how it would work. And we can get into why it matters and all that good stuff, but that's what it is. It's narrowing down the focus. Which I think is so important, but so hard, right? I mean, I think especially in the beginning, you are really stuck in that scarcity mindset or you just truly want to serve everyone. And Mm -hmm. that was something that you and I really worked hard on because for me, I was like, well, small business, you know, like everybody. And what, (laughs) and people look at my roster, they may not know that I actually specialize in realtors and financial professionals. Like that is my niche and that is where I really can work in my zone. But I do have clients. That's the thing is like people don't realize that just because you niche down doesn't mean you're not going to serve other people. You're not excluding other people. People will find you because they may have similar problems that you solve. When you, So I always tell people like you go small to go big, right? So when you narrow down, what happens is you become a big fish in a small sea. Most of the time you're a small fish in a really big sea. And so there's a lot of reasons why it's difficult when you don't have a specific niche. For one is, yeah, you're lost in a sea of a bunch of other, whether it's personal trainers, coaches, I'm just using examples, people might be able to just kind of get a visual on. So like if if we're a personal trainer, okay, now you're lost in all the sea of personal trainers that really can only charge so much right? But once you narrow down, you become a specialist. And when you become a specialist, you become a star, you know, you become a big fish in a small sea. Now you're the one on the podcast. Now you're the one on the magazine. Now you're like an industry expert. Like, so now you're not just bobbing on the ocean kind of going, gee, which way am I going to go today? It's like, you know, the who, and when you know the who, this also makes your job easier is you can go find those people. So if I'm a personal trainer for new moms, oh, okay, now I'm looking for new moms. So when I go to do Facebook advertising or Instagram ads or LinkedIn ads or any kind of paid advertising, I'm going to put myself in the publications or in the vehicles where the new moms are looking. 
So now I know actually where to go and put my message. I know which networking groups or meetup groups or any kind of organizations. I know which conferences that I should speak at. And that's also a huge thing because most entrepreneurs, they do struggle with lead generation. And so just getting clients in the first place is a real struggle when you don't know your who. When you do know your who, you can go find them. And I always tell people, if your who, if your target audience does not congregate somewhere, then you don't have a target audience, right? Because it's kind of like, all right, so where do they hang out? And you're sitting there going, um... I don't know where they hang out. Well, then it's probably because you haven't actually narrowed. Like you could, if it's like, for example, moms too general. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of, we can go find where the moms are, but it's a little bit still too general or business owners. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, business owners hang out everywhere, but what about the business owners you want to attract? Right. If you're a real estate agent, right. And you want first time home buyers. Okay. Well, how old are they? What are they looking at on Facebook? What Facebook groups are they in? What magazines do they read? What events are they going to? You know, do they go to like local festivals in your area or farmers markets? Do they go like, where are they? You know, where are the people who are like the first time home buyers? How are you going to get in touch with them? And so that's the power of the problem that you solve. I feel like your niche, it's the combination. It's the problem you solve plus your target audience. That's your niche. If you only have one, but not the other, you really don't have the niche. You know who you're serving. Many of them are real estate agents, financial planners. And then you know that you're solving this problem of, you know, creating clients who are loyal, who continue to buy, getting massive referrals out of your database. Like there's this whole client experience issue that people struggle with. They're spending so much money to constantly get new clients. And what you come in and do is say, no, 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 I'm going to show you how to find the gold mine in your database. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. And so it's like very narrow problem you solve and who you solve it for, but now you're a star on the map. And so sure, other people will come to you. And if you know, you can help them. Mostly my clients are coaches. I'm so niche down that it's pretty rare, but occasionally I will work with a different type of entrepreneur because I've put myself on the map by becoming an expert. I mean, that's definitely how you and I were connected organically was because I had known you from permission to charge. And although I'm not a traditional coach, I think that the problem that I solved aligned well enough with the way that you teach that it was able to really help me develop as a consultant Mm -hmm. and as somebody who is a problem solver for others. And I've heard this, I forget who it was that I heard this, but I heard somebody say that this is the matching of your talents with the audience that needs your talent and is willing to pay. And I really loved that. I thought because people get so caught up in what is my passion and like chasing what is my passion? What is my passion and feeling like their life is not fulfilled because they're not fulfilling their passion. They don't know what it is. And really what it is, is evaluating what is energetically fun for me? What am I really good at and brings me joy? But it doesn't have to be like this whole soul fulfilling experience. It's like, what is a problem that I solve with something that I'm really good at that people would pay me to do it and I would really enjoy it? When you hear that, it's so simple, but it is a really complicated topic. When you actually put the money where your mouth is, so to speak, and you are going into business and taking that leap, it's like, 
uh, you know, like thinking about saying, I'm only going to serve this audience because initially that's what it feels like when you're niching down. It's like, you're saying, I'm only going to serve this audience. Yeah. Here's the thing. Probably most people listening to this podcast already have a business. So what they can do is really think about who is their best client. You know, there's a lot of different advice out there. There's now this new wave of gurus saying, don't niche down, you know, that's BS advice, blah, 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 you know, and I and it, it's very intriguing, you know, it's like, Oh, what are they saying? It's, it's a marketing tactic too, to to sort of be disruptive, right? And so I've investigated that there's some good there, because what some of those people are saying is the traditional advice is to just go, well, who's my audience? And what do they want? And let me create something that they want. And it's like, I talk about attracting your soul group and your soul tribe, the people you're meant to serve and work with. And I think if you're in a business where it's totally based on your purpose, that's great. Sometimes your business is not the full expression of your soul's purpose, but it's a way that you go out and change the world and change lives. And you can do that as a financial planner. You can do that as a real estate agent or any of those professional services. So it, like you're expressing yourself. And so some of the traditional advice is like, figure out what people want and just give it to them. And I believe in that. And I also believe in some of the counterintuitive advice that's saying, well, you know, that's BS, you know, you should do what you want. So I think it's like what you were saying about your passion, find the happy medium, because you definitely don't want to create a business or pick a target market or narrow in on a certain segment of your audience just because, oh, well, that's going to make the most money. And sooner or later, you feel unfulfilled and you feel burnt out and you don't enjoy it. So it's like, make sure what you're doing is something that you, like you said, energetically, you love it. You love serving in this particular way. And once you've kind of narrowed in on that, then absolutely, you should understand that soul tribe of people that you're meant to serve. You should know them like you know the back of your hand. And when you do, they're going to be happy. You're going to be happy. You're going to have a really, really fun business. What I don't agree with is, you know, some of the marketing advice is like, Hey, you want to make money online? Okay. Pick a niche and, you know, pick a product that you can sell. And then it's like, it's, it's not really coming from a place of this is an expression. Like your business is an expression of your soul. It can be. Um, And I believe more in that because there's sustainability and longevity in that versus just like, let me pick a segment of my niche because I think it's the most profitable and and not that that's like bad and wrong if you do it. But ideally, I feel like that's not as sustainable. What we talk about at Feminine CEO is sustainability and being able to be energized from your business. So I agree with you 100%. It's like, but there's two sides to it, right? And it's almost like both sides are valid and it's coming to that inner alignment. Agreed. You can use the term passion. You can use the word energy, but it's like, is someone willing to pay for that? Like, are you good enough that someone's willing to pay for that? Because you can be passionate about something, but if you're not really solving a deep, I love how you say like the neck bleeding problem. Like it's Mm -hmm. not a tickle. It's not an itch. It's like something that is urgently needing to be solved that someone's like, take it away, make it go away. You know, if it's not that urgent of a problem, then you can be passionate all day long, but it's not a problem that somebody's going to take you up on. And I think when I use the word energy, it just feels better for me too, because I was thinking about like, I don't recommend this for anyone. Okay. I met with one of my clients and I did like a co-working day 
is I like to every once in a while kind of see how their day goes and it helps me mm. like shadowing them helps me serve them better. But That's we awesome. just like vibed on each other so well that whole day that we ended up spending like 12 or 13 hours together and having just a blast. Like we had breakfast, we had lunch, we went on a, like she introduced me to like some people. So I made some new business connections and then, which big shout out to Adriana Perez Chica of Via Real Estate. She's an awesome realtor. But she introduced me to some people, you know, in the industry that I wouldn't have otherwise met. And then we ended up like having dinner together and then having like a team meeting. And at the end of it, she's like, oh my gosh, I've kept you all day. Well, we didn't work on her stuff all day long. We were just working alongside each other. But I was like, no, I feel like I could go another 12 hours. I'm just like jazzed. I feel energized. And that's the key for me that I'm in the right spot is because what I'm doing brings me joy and energy and I'm actually solving a problem. And then my clients are willing to engage with me in business because I'm helping them in a way that's meaningful for their business. And so that's the, the sad part is when I see people who are extremely passionate and have a drive to help people um, and they could help them, but the problem is not very well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that is definitely a factor. You need to also ask yourself, is this target audience accessible to me? You know, are they like really hard to find? Right. um, It's just going to be more difficult. But kind of going back to the examples of like financial planners and real estate agents, I think I used to go to a lot of networking events. I know you go to a lot of networking events and you just walk into any networking event, you know, and there's going to be a couple of real estate agents and um, financial planners and and those type, you know, insurance agents, those type of professional services. And I found that the people who, who made it interesting, they were the ones I wanted to do business with. So that's another little kind of piece of this is show up as who you are, you know, like you're going to attract, there's certain type of people that you're going to attract. And so when people are like, I've, I've worked with a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I've worked with a handful, I would say of real estate agents and financial planners before I really niched down to coaches. And so I know a little bit about those industries. And I think that even within that, you can start to segment, right? You can say, well, I really like to work with couples who have just got married. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have clients of all different walks of life. But if you're a financial planner, and you really love to specialize in couples who have just gotten married, then maybe the kind of people that you network with are going to be wedding planners, and potentially, you know, churches, because a lot of times, couples will go to like some premarital counseling type of thing. Maybe you know some counselors that do premarital counseling, you're going to be at the wedding expos, you know, and like, Hey, have you thought about your financial future to these married couples? And so it's in a lot of times that comes from your story. So let's say you're a financial planner and something that made a big impact in your life was that when you got married, you met with a financial planner and you and your partner got on this like amazing path. And you're so grateful for that. Well, that now fuels your business and who you attract and you have a story around that, that you share. And that story tends to attract newer married couples. And that's how you build your business. Now it's kind of the 80, 20 rule. It might be that 80% of your clients fit that box. percent, You know, other people come to you, they see that you're an expert, but do you see how, like you and I were talking about this, like how this comes into the client experience process is now, now that you've really narrowed, okay, I work with, you know, brand new married couples. Well, how can you deliver the amazing 
experience with you as a financial planner, let's say, well, you can find out everything about the psychology of a brand new married couple, right? So I know that that's a big part of what you do is narrowing down. How do we create a situation where this client feels like they're my only client? This is a really ironic conversation because I don't even know if you know this, but so in a past life, I was a financial professional. And so you do know that part, but I specialize. I I know that part. (laughs) Yeah, I did specialize in newly married couples. So I I didn't know that. (laughs) So, and young families. And so what I did was, and this was a big boost for my business when I did do that because I went from just a handful of leads and names of people that I was connecting with to coming home with 200, 300 names of people that I was connecting with because I started doing the wedding expo circuit and meeting people and showing up and putting the, you know, the feet to the pavement. And then I connected with caterers and I would go to open houses for venues and people would be like a financial professional. And I'm like, yeah, I specialize in newly married couples. And so they're like, oh, cool. I would love to talk to you because here I am with like DJs and you know, limousine people and caterers and whatnot. And I'm a financial professional and they wouldn't think to find me there, but that's where my audience was. And so it was extremely successful for me because then I'm the kind of person because I am a client experience consultant and that's ingrained in who I am even back when I wasn't doing that professionally. I utilized my tools and my systems. So so my CRM, my customer relationship management, and I would really pay attention to the details. I would say like, okay, this is so-and-so and and their partner so-and-so. This is how they like to be referred to. They have kids or they don't have kids. This is the date of their wedding. And I would send them a wedding gift, you know, and then maybe a month after their wedding, I would send them, you know, something just saying like happy one month anniversary, you know, try to do things that are a little different, but really paying attention to the details and surprising them in a way that they may not expect, but they were just surprised to see me there. And sometimes they would even be like, I can't believe they let you like have a booth here. And I'm like, why not? That's my specialty. (laughs) You know, like this is what I specialize in. And I think because I was so passionate about it and because I was able to articulate how what I did solved a problem for that audience, the organizers of those events were like, well, of course we would love to have you here. You know, whereas if you weren't able to really say like how you fit into that audience, they would be like, no, that's like weird. Just go away. <laughs> you know, that's not, right. that doesn't fit. That is so I brilliant. That exam- example up. Cause that's like, there you go. That's like meant to be there, but that's a prime example of niching. And it was something that was just brilliantly successful for me as a financial professional, because I was able to really speak to the psychology of a young family. And another example, because I did young families was we did child IDs. So we would go and that sounds weird, but it's not, it's just, you go to like a fair or a school event and we would help the parents do a little security ID as a service project. And it was really, we didn't keep any of the information. We didn't do anything, but we would do a little fingerprint and a little photo and print it on an ID and give all the information to the parents. Just doing that and knowing that that's something that me as a parent, I would appreciate that. I would like that. And then connecting with the parents and talking about their kids and our kids and, you know, knowing from their mindset what it was that they would want and need then you're able to connect better and solve more problems. So I think those were really good examples. And I've lived those examples and know for a fact that that I had no idea. 
I think it's brilliant, right? That's, that's, that's why I used it as an example. I'm not surprised that you did all that because you are brilliant <laughs> at marketing. And I'm really just kind of fascinated where this conversation is going because you know, I knew we we're going to talk about niche, but I think it's important for everyone listening to get like, really, I hope everyone's like grasping this big picture because what I'm seeing now is, so when you put entrepreneurs through the client experience project, supporting them in understanding what their niche is, what makes them different, what helps them stand apart, really who is their target audience, you're showing them how to build a client experience system into their business that makes them, what there's like a word I'm looking for, but it basically makes competition irrelevant because it informs what they do. Like for example, what you just gave as an example was doing the child IDs that the niche informs the kind of marketing you're going to do, the way you're going to surprise your clients, the way you're going to have touch points on a regular basis. It informs the building of your client experience system, which is what they do when they get in, you know, your program, right? They like build the system and implement it into their business. And then their whole team can also help them implement it. And so the whole niche stuff that we're talking about basically informs how that system, like the nuances of that system, it makes competition completely irrelevant for them because now they're in the community doing these specific things to get right in front of these certain people. And they're doing things that are meaningful. So like they're doing things that are meaningful to, let's say, new young families who just bought a home, right? If that's the target audience, it's like now the gifts that you send, the touch points that you make, the way that you would send them a, you know, happy anniversary card, all of those pieces are tailored back to, well, who is this person? Why did they come to us? What are their psychographics? What do they think about? What are they feeling? What's on the horizon in their life next? You know, if you work with first time home buyers, okay, a few years down the road, they're probably going to buy another home. So are you going to be their next real estate agent 10 years from now? I think it's like people stay in a home for a certain number of years. Like, are you going to be the real estate agent that is there when they're ready to sell that home and get the next one? Or they have, they forgotten about you and their sister Sally has a really good real estate agent right now. So they're going to hop on that train. Yeah. I, I think when I had my power day with my client the other day, she had said that being in the industry for 15 years and she's huge. The reason why we jive so well is because she's huge into the client experience. And so she's now helping the second generation. Like she helped parents buy homes and now their children are buying homes with her because they were like 10 when their parents bought the home. And so now they're 25 and they're buying their own home. And I think like that's like exactly what I'm talking about is that you are top of mind long-term and you're digging into the needs, the wants, the desires, and you're creating these touch points that are not cheesy, canned experiences. There's a gentleman named Noah Fleming who talks about exactly what you said, that things need to be, what does he say? Memorable, tangible, and personalized. And that's like a hundred percent what I'm talking about. Like we're not talking birthday cards, although you should be doing handwritten birthday cards if you can. We're talking like surprising. And you and I, before the podcast, we're talking about the article in Inc. Magazine that um, somebody who will be on my podcast coming up, Melina Palmer, who's a behavioral economics expert, 
So she does marketing from a science perspective and branding from a science perspective. And she posted on her LinkedIn, this article that said, you know, create brand loyalty by surprising your clients. And I had posted something that my client from a small studio had done for their client, which is an urban apparel company. And so I had made them a custom wine bottle that was a lantern. And this was something that we had gone through and, you know, in talking about their client experience, I helped them with this project and they wanted to do something since they're a branding company, they wanted to gift their clients, all of them, something really out of the box that had their logo on it. Mm. And so we made these frosted wine bottles and we put their logo on it in vinyl. And then we put twinkle lights down inside. So it was a cork that had twinkle lights. So this client of my client was so thrilled that they took a picture on a balcony with the Seattle skyline behind it at nighttime and shouted out my client and my business, thanking us for this really out of the box gift. And they're this huge apparel company, you know, saying thank you to the, their client. That's the whole point, right? Is that, I mean, we don't well, necessarily... You PR, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't it's, the, even it's the best PR. But the point in the beginning was to serve with love, you yes. know, to do it from a place of like, I really am so grateful that you're my client and mm-hmm. serve with it with the truest of compassion and love. But then people become your fans. That's why I like to say like, turn your clients into your super fans because they want to tell people about you because they want other people to have that experience like they've never had before, except for with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's And it brings me to like back to the niche, right? Because with my clients, I get so many referrals. So, you know, obviously I'm focused on coaches. And so coaches know a lot of other coaches, right? It's like, new young couples buying homes they most of their friends are also new young couples buying homes or whatever your target audience is they know more of them so shown me a statistic the other day that it's like proven that it takes five times the amount of money to go get a new client than to maintain a client and even to receive referrals from clients you already have that's way less time way less expensive and why wouldn't you want to keep clients for life. Like, why wouldn't you want to build relationships? And when you niche down, we think about streamlining, automating things, you you actually can do that a little bit more. For example, all my clients, they're coaches, it's not going to be hard for me to think of what would be a great gift. A lot of times I love to send personal development books, right? Like I love to do that, because then they write me back. And they're like, Oh, my God, I'm reading this book. And it's so good. Because I know my coaches, my clients, they love to read personal development books. They love it. Right. So when I send them whatever is like the latest, greatest thing that I've read and they're now reading it and they're like, they're getting the aha moments too. They're so excited. You know, they're so excited to tell me that. And so if you think about it from just a strategic standpoint, obviously this is all about heart and soul. But if we want to just say, okay, what about just the strategic standpoint? It's actually smarter. It's more economically savvy and it's more sustainable to really have a niche and know who these people are. Because I don't have to, I mean, I love to personalize things and I love that you do that. But in one regard, it's like, I don't need to, you know, spend hours and hours and hours and hours trying to personalize every single thing. I know all my coaches are going to love a personal development book. That's part of like that target client profile. You know what I mean? And I can go deeper and get even more personalized, but it becomes easier to know 
how to market to them, what kind of touch points, what kind of gifts, what is going to make your audience feel special because you know them so well. And so you're really saving time and money by doing this. Right. And I think, you know, in terms of personalization too, there's so many levels, like that example was super personalized, but you could like even open that book and write, I hope you love it as much as I did love Jess, you know what I mean? Or something like that. That could be an example of personalization, or you could even send it directly from Amazon and send a little note with it that says that that's still personalized. You know what I mean? So I think those, just those touches that are surprising, those touches that are different than what other people would do that's the whole key. There's so many, I mean, you can get anything that you want and any service that you want from anywhere in the world right now. Like really, there are people who can do it better, faster. It's all about what is it that makes you special? What is it that sets you apart? And I've had people literally say to me, like, I could probably do this less expensive, but I want to do this with you because of who you are and what you see. And I, I love that. Like when people learn your system, they can then, you know, they learn the system, they implement the client experience system into their business. So it's a living, breathing set of processes. It's a system that is a rinse and repeatable. And then they can delegate that out. They can train, you know, their people, if they already have people to do this, they can, you know, hire people to do this. Like in my case, my assistant will usually send out those personal development books. I used to, in my other company would use send out cards and my assistant would send those out. And so I think, you know, for anyone listening to this, this doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's about doing, how does that go? Do more by doing less or something, right? Like, oh, yeah. And do part of the, it's and about doing less better or doing more. I don't know how it goes. I know what you mean though. I mean, it's the doing what counts, doing yeah. what counts, doing what matters, doing what actually, again, going just strictly on the business side. It's like, what brings ROI? This relate the, the relationship is where the value is. Totally. So if you're not putting into the relationship and look, if it overwhelms you, there's support that you can delegate this to it's it you know to i think to do this properly what people need to understand to do this really properly they've got to get a team like yours they've got to get their team understanding your system and implementing it and they shouldn't be thinking oh i'm going to do this all by myself <laughs> right no they need help they need mentoring and they need support like they need to be able to delegate but that totally. i think should be it's something that they need from the very get-go. I mean, what I want to just let people know too is that the client experience is for everyone, even a solopreneur. Like mm-hmm. this is something like the system that you put into place is something that should be one of the very first things that you put into place. Because as you build your clients, this is a system that sh- you should be taking clients through. I think that it's most effective when it works with somebody who has an existing book of business, who's wanting to re-engage those, but it's not excluding those people who are starting out because this is really something that's valuable to start from the beginning. But if you're overwhelmed by the thought of, digging back in, I would say you can trim the fat on all that you're doing for the new clients. You know what I mean? Like really one of the statistics that we, that Jessica and I were looking at too, is in terms of retention, if you can, because every business is going to have drop off attrition. So if you can retain 5% more, if you can increase retention by 5%, and I'm sorry, I don't have the citation for this, but this is a true statistic that we saw. You can increase revenue by anywhere from 25% to 95% by just retaining 
5%. And so, yeah, so it's not an optional, it's a must. You must do something that keeps you relevant and different because that is how you become a sustainable standout business. And nobody goes into business to be mediocre. We all want to be different and we all want to make an impact. And so, I mean, I know that it can sound really overwhelming, but that's why there are different processes that you go through and different touch points, but it is about really knowing, you know, going back to the topic, it's really about knowing who are you talking to? What do they care about? What is their neck bleeding problem? What do they need from you? And how can you and your unique self provide a solution and a result for them? And if you can't answer those questions, then you need to reevaluate and work with somebody or just like go to the drawing board and say, like, where am I at? Like, how can I actually hone this down? Because it may be that you have an audience, but your audience is too broad. Or like you said, you're not able to serve enough of the audience that you're trying to reach. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jessica, I always like to wrap my sessions by asking people two questions. And that is, the first question is, what is the best advice that you could give my audience on this topic? Ooh, okay. <laughs> the best advice I could give on the topic for today, which was really about, about niching, is to align yourself with the people that you most enjoy working with, that you feel the most energized around, that you feel in your heart, you just feel that warm, fuzzy, and you're like, oh, I wish I had 10 more of you, right? that's probably your niche, right? That's probably your target audience. And so I would look to start narrowing your marketing and your focus on those people and find more of them. Yeah, that's awesome. And then this doesn't have to be related to our topic, but I'm always fascinated to hear what's the best advice you've ever received. Oh, I don't know if I can answer that because this is like such a loaded question, but what popped in my brain is one of my favorite quotes. So how about I share that? I would love that. (laughs) Um, Which is, it's also advice at the same time. So one of my favorite quotes goes a year from now, you'll wish you started today. Ooh, I love that. Right. So I think that, I mean, it goes exactly with like what we're talking about implementing this client experience system and basing that around a specific target audience and a niche imagine a year from now, if you're diligently doing that for 12 months straight, wow. Imagine the, the, how your revenue would double and triple and your joy would increase and the ease in which you, you know, create clients and even the expense would go down. Right. It would just be like, what if, you know, know. what would be like a year from now? So I love that quote. That's awesome. Just tell us how people can find you. Sure. So, um, yeah, if you are a coach or even a consultant growing your business online, one of the best places would be the Feminine CEO Facebook group, obviously on on Facebook. And uh, definitely check out the Feminine CEO podcast. Um, That's really available to um, any female CEO, especially if you love the intersection of business and spirituality. We, We go there on the podcast. So check out that on iTunes. Love it. Love it. Well, this has been episode five with the fabulous Jessica Riverson, the feminine CEO. And we invite you to join us next time on the client experience revolution. And thank you for being with us today.